this political coliseum, we slay the rising beast with the fateful sword of truth that transcends hypocrisy and censorship. It's time to unleash yourself from the tyrants of media propaganda on the America Out Loud Talk Radio Network. This is Unleashed, the political news hour. This is Unleashed, the political news hour. I'm Chris Cordani, hosting today. With me a little bit later on, I'm going to have former Intel fellow J. Michael Waller. He wrote a book about how the CIA and FBI went from, well, being the good guys to those who spy on anybody that the current administration and some in the past deem undesirable. His book is called Big Intel, how the CIA and FBI went from Cold War heroes to deep state villains. And you see it every day. You have heard from some of the members of Congress saying the government's being weaponized. We're going to discuss that, what's happening, and yes, this could happen to you. The Senate on Tuesday passed a huge $95 billion supplemental package. It's going to be dead on arrival, though. Hey, they want money for Ukraine. They want money for other countries. They're not going to address the border at least sufficiently. We know that it's going to never be passed in the House. At least we hope so. I mean, I'd like to say I know that. But as far as uh, Speaker Johnson's concerned, it looks like it's not going to happen. As far as the fact that maybe 8 to 10 House members are not going to vote in favor of this, it looks like it's not going to happen. And that's a good thing. Thank goodness for Rand Paul. Senator Rand Paul lectured. He lambasted fellow Republicans and Democrats who celebrated this bill in Congress the other day. He was on the Senate floor just chewing them all out. And I like the way he does it. The government cannot spend all this money and keep printing it and letting the regular guy, the little guy, the people listening to me, and of course me, having to eat up the high prices having to deal with the inflation, having to deal with higher interest rates and let the government or let the people who are, let's say, the government elites celebrate this little victory, as uh, <laughs> as uh, Paul put it, with their champagne by sending pallets of cash to Ukraine and uh, other foreign aid. Look, we don't even take care of our own people enough. I, I can go down the list from the fact that we have our own homeless that gets that get tossed out of uh, facilities in favor of illegals that are being thrust in here. We can go on for a long time about that. What I'm saying here is I like the fact that there are a few Congress members with the huevos to fight back against the establishment by saying, hey, this isn't right. Address us, help our country while you're trying to spend all sorts of money on others. And by the way, curb the spending. Heck. When you're 12 years old, your parents say, you have an allowance, you spend within it, live within your means. You don't want to borrow and keep borrowing and borrowing. What's going to happen in the next 20 to 50 years? Things are going to collapse, perhaps. That's by design when it comes to some of these globalist types, but we'll get into that at another time as well. I like the idea that we have some people who are saying this is not right, and able to announce it on the Senate floor and make this effective when it comes to a small minority, that's a good thing. I like the idea of having a small minority of uh, 
of Republicans in the House because now a certain amount of establishment types can't control everything and they have to get input from everyone, even those who are, let's just say, not the cool kids at the table. But that, my friends, is what a constitutional republic is all about. What it's not about is allowing the World Health Organization to take our nation's sovereignty. And I know you hear PolitiFact and other fact-checkers lying, claiming that this global accord, I like, I like the word, global accord, that sounds nice, that sounds pleasant, or, or, or agreement. The global agreement the World Health Organization is uh, pushing in will, uh, will let the agency, they will let the agency mandate lockdowns. However, PolitiFact and the fact-checkers are saying, oh, no, no, that's not going to happen. They're playing defense for this. The Biden administration and several other Western leaders are gladly handing over potential sovereignty and potential leadership to an unelected body of international weirdos who don't like the way the West is going. Anyway, they're handing over power to globalists when it comes to a health emergency. I can hear some people out there listening, maybe saying, well, I don't know. Maybe it's nice to have a whole uniform situation when it comes to uh, another pandemic. Let me tell you something. A pandemic doesn't have to be the next health emergency. Leave it up to these people to use uh, uh, global warming as a health emergency. They're going to lock people down. They're going to push us towards a social credit score because they can. And not only that, the nations allowed that. We'll be forfeiting national sovereignty. We'll be forfeiting power to the globalists. And yes, despite what the fact checkers are trying to convince you, this power given to them will be able to allow them to push lockdowns. I understand the words they use is, well, they can't enforce the lockdowns because UN police can't blah, blah, blah. No, no, no. Not only will national sovereignty be given up, and as far as the World Health Organization and globalists are concerned, when they get this power, rights will be damned. That's it. No more. You don't get them. And don't just take my word for it. In November 2023, Human Rights Watch noted about the treaty. Rather than acting on the lessons learned from COVID-19, the current proposed text offers a, as they put it, a weak framework for ensuring that countries will be accountable for maintaining a rights-compliant response to future pandemics. Don't just listen to me and don't just listen to one source. This is the position taken by Amnesty International, the Global Initiative for Economic, Social, and Cultural Rights, the International Commission of Jurists, and the Human Rights Watch. These people aren't known exactly for their right-wing leanings. So anybody that calls you a right-wing nut just for pointing any of these things out is, in fact, complicit. They want this to happen, and they're trying to convince you that it should. Don't let them do it. According to, I'm going I'm to take this quote directly from uh, Tamarin Nelson. She's a legal advisor at Amnesty International. She said, creating a new pandemic treaty could offer an opportunity to ensure that countries are equipped with proper mechanics to prevent, uh, for cooperation and principles to prevent the uh, level of devastation wrought by the pandemic. However, r- there will be rights violations. By, basically, she says, by failing to ground the treaty in existing human rights obligations and inadequately addressing human rights concerns, arising during public emergencies, public health emergencies, governments risk repeating history when the next global health crisis hits. And that means they risk more lockdowns. They risk people uh, getting getting worse because of the forced vaccines. And I understand uh, the 
fact checkers will tell you, well, they can't just hold you down and force you to take a vaccine. When I say forced vaccines, yes, I'm sure that's their fantasy. But in some of these freer nations, the idea is to shame people or or tug on the old heartstrings to convince you to take the vaccine. Stick the needle in you. Doesn't matter what happens. We don't care if the FDA didn't test this. It's you have to take this. And what they'll do is run a social credit score. Not much unlike the Chinese system. And of course, a lot like, or maybe a little offshoot of what America had, the social credit score known as the vaccine card. Let me tell you something. Who also trusts the UN to run anything as well? They can't even vet their own agency, relief agency employees. So the pact needs to be burned along with the Paris Accords. And another thing, Joe Biden's new buzzword is greedflation. I know he's a terrible president, but he's still good for a few laughs every once in a while. I'm watching this guy on his mock PSA last Sunday talk about shrinkflation. Um, I'm going to get into that. But he addressed the Association of Counties on Monday saying that it wasn't his fault. Biden, the Bidenomics is doing a great job, according to him. Inflation is going down, according to him. Well, yeah, of course, inflation is going down from Bidenflation highs. He's blaming something called greedflation, along with shrinkflation. The idea is he's using the old buzzword greed to emotionally trigger people to think, oh, oh, oh no, it's those mean, greedy corporations who are doing this to us. That nice old man on the TV wouldn't steer us wrong, would he? And then he talks about shrinkflation. Shrinkflation is not a new term. It's actually, it actually gained some popularity during the Obama administration when inflation and high gas prices hit hard as well. The idea is companies put less product in their packages so they could avoid making you pay higher prices. I remember I used to have a package of eight chicken sausages when I bought them at the shop, right? However, it's now seven in the pack. They don't want to raise prices. They don't want people to have to pay more, but they put less in. Hey, maybe that's not such a bad thing. America's pretty fat anyway. We could probably use a little bit less stuff in our snack bags. Having said that, Biden is blaming everybody but himself. And people believe it. I don't know how people believe it, but I do know that the man went back into a corner and knows how to appeal to his base. His base are emotionalists. They don't think logically, they think emotionally. So the idea is... Uh, Biden will, will go up in front of his stage with his sunglasses on and uh, his uh, emotional base will think, ooh, he's pretty cool. He has sunglasses. Hmm. And he listens, listen to the guy try to evoke emotion by saying, there's an empty chair at people's tables today. And then turn around and say, that's Trump's fault and the MAGA Republicans are so mean. And trying to, trying to control the language, which, by the way, he has done a good job of doing that towards his base. And the media, the media has been very complicit in doing the whole th- doing the same thing as well. Then you watch this guy speak, little uh, emotional inflections like uh, he'll whisper, and then he'll yell, and then he'll whisper and yell, trying to prove he has fire in his personality, where his base will be looking at him saying, Wow, he's mad now. Maybe we should be too. Trust me, he's not really running the country but he can be rather entertaining. Still, that level of entertainment can be dangerous. Did get him out of being prosecuted over mishandling of documents. Who wants to throw the kindly old feeble man in jail? Even Robert Hur didn't want to do that, the special counsel. What I did enjoy was the idea that he uh, 
although he allowed Joe Biden to go scot-free, which was the only political outcome anyway because the Department of Justice would never really prosecute him. But what he did do by including this whole uh, elderly man with good intentions thing, with, with memory issues, it gave both Republicans and Democrats fodder to A, on the one side, the GOP, and use it against him if he be, if if he somehow still is the Dems candidate, but he also gave the Democrats an out, an out to remove Biden from the ticket and bring in somebody of their own choice. That we can talk about several times. I should do a whole show on uh, who the pers- what the prospective outcomes could be over this, what we could see in 2024. And believe me, there are a lot of opinions and a lot of thoughts about this. I have some that are quite outside the box. Straight ahead, I'm going to be talking with former Intel man J. Michael Waller. We're going to discuss the weaponization of the CIA and the FBI, how those agencies went from the good guys, from being the good guys, to being the deep state's lackeys. And you can get all the articles, podcasts, and pertinent news, always the uncensored truth from a team of truth seekers who always put God and country first. America Out Loud News. I'm Chris Cordani. You're listening to Unleashed, the political news hour on the America Out Loud Talk Radio Network. Oral hygiene hasn't changed in 50 years, but our diet and the way we eat has, creating an environment in your mouth for bacteria to wreak havoc on your teeth and gums. For better oral health, get Spry Dental Defense an oral care line designed to combat acid-creating bacteria. The toothpaste, mouthwash, mints, and gum all contain xylitol, a natural ingredient shown to dramatically improve oral health. Spry can be found online and at all fine natural retailers. Cardiovascular disease is the leading cause of death and disability. Lifestyle changes are critical, but you can also support your heart with concentrated nutrients. Healthy Cell created heart and vascular health to support cholesterol and blood pressure with CoQ10, vitamin K2, resveratrol, and soluble fiber. And Healthy Cell's not a pill. It's a patent-pending gel you swallow. Get heart healthy. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD for 25% off. Who's got time for a nasal invasion messing up your lifestyle? Crush those nasties before they become a problem. For a limited time, when you add the new Cofix RX throat spray to your order with the coupon code OUTLOUD, you'll receive 20% off the entire purchase. Go to AmericaOutloud.shop. That's AmericaOutloud.shop. And use coupon code OUTLOUD. Use CoFixRx because it works. This is Unleash the Political News Hour on the America Out Loud Talk Radio Network. I'm Chris Cordani. And yes, I am not only unleashed, I am unchained. The left has taken over the three-letter agencies, the government, the deep state, and everywhere else. The Republicans have become Republican late. We all know this. How deep does this go, and how long has it been going on, and why and what are the ways this history is affecting the way business is done today, and how is it so easy for the Marxists in government to control what we do, or at least attempt to do so, through agencies like the CIA, FBI, and well, I'll even say IRS and some others. With me on Unleash the Political News Hour right now is J. Michael Waller. 
He's the author of Big Intel, how the CIA and FBI went from Cold War heroes to deep state villains. He's a man who's worked for the CIA in Central America, did groundbreaking scholarship. Ooh, I like that. After the Soviet Empire's breakup and taught history at several uh, of America's premier intelligence schools. Welcome to Unleashed Michael. Hey, Chris. Mike, let's get into the book because I want to talk about what's happening today. I do believe people need to know the history of this. It's easy to sit here behind the microphone. It's easy to sit at home or talk amongst your friends and, and those with like minds and say, ah, the FBI and CIA, they're, they're coming down on us. They're stepping on us. They're crunching our backs. But it's become very easy for governments to use these agencies for partisan means. This didn't happen overnight. No, and when in sitting down to write Big Intel, I was just going to write about Obama, Trump, Biden periods. But then, you know, you get into it. It's, well, what are the historical roots of this? Who who got this these ideas? Uh, where did they get them from? Why are they doing this? Well, who mentored them when they were younger? Who taught them? Who trained them? Where did that come from before? And before you know it, you've traced a, a red thread, like an ideological chain of custody passed like a baton from one person to another, unbroken all the way back to a 1922 meeting in Moscow. So 1922, ago. you're talking 1922. Yeah, right after World War I, a century ago. Right. Where yeah. Yeah. years of the international communist movement who were controlled by the Soviets and Felix Juzinski, who was the founder of the Cheka, which became the KGB. Putin reveres the guy to this day. They sat down and they said, we, we cannot have a, the Western countries aren't going to have a violent bolshevik type revolution we have to figure another way to do this and their way was to make war on culture and cause us to destroy ourselves before we get to what's happening today let's let's delve into this whole this whole idea of uh, the kgb getting together and trying to destroy the west through culture and through the media and other by other means i do want to say the fbi and cia do get credit for being or having integral roles in winning the cold war but the American left have been using these agencies as the toys for quite a while. This goes back, as we discussed just a moment ago, for a, well, basically for a very long time. Uh, like when a bunch of American Marxists thought the teachings of the Frankfurt School were, well, let's just say, sort of neato. Yeah, yeah, and it, it's a, it's it's the kind of thing where these these agencies were built to protect our constitutional way of life. The Frankfurt School, which is what was created out of that 1922 Moscow meeting in Frankfurt, Germany, those elements came to the United States in the 30s, so 90 years ago. We had, to, people, we had people in this nation who were fascinated with communism. We see it today amongst a lot of uh, Gen Zers and, and millennials, but that's because we have an internet. That's because we see it and they're blatant about it, and that's because they think it's cool. This is back in 22 to 30 and 30 to 40 later on. This is when... Uh, let's put it this way. Uh, it wasn't fashionable to be a communist or to uh, delve into these uh, Marxist ideals, but there were a lot of people who found a nice sneaky way to get in there and, uh, and put and, and entrench their tentacles as a sort of seed for future decades. Yeah. And they envisioned it as something that would not take place during their lifetimes. This would go from one generation to another and like like what was somebody else later 
They're called the long march through the institution. So you're taking over one institution after another, many at a time, whether it's in government, whether it's in education, whether it's in the media or entertainment or, or, or churches or big philanthropic foundations that were founded by capitalists, marching through those institutions and taking them over to bring about that revolutionary change that could not be done through revolutionary violence. This is the kind of thing that makes people look back in the, to the 1950s and say, hey, you know what? McCarthy was onto something. Well, look back. Where was he wrong? Keep in mind, you're right. Who was reporting on him, too? That's the other question. It's not only where was he wrong, but who was reporting on him? Yeah, and who was ganging up on him and why? Exactly. If you go back to the McCarthy hearings, you had the, uh, well, some of his Democrat colleagues in the Senate supported him completely. Others of him, the, the more liberal left ones, beat up on him for political reasons because he was going after people like Alger Hiss and real Soviet agents within the system, but they were nice guys. And they got government jobs for people and they did favors for people. So why would we want to hurt them? Another one saying, we don't care who Algerhis was. We just want to get somebody like Joe McCarthy. And this was in the early stages of TV where you'd have, you know, if you didn't look good on TV, you couldn't make a good argument. And McCarthy with, with his Midwestern ways, and he was a he'd been a tough young judge and all of these things. He didn't like, like Nixon in the Kennedy debate in 1960, not much later. You know, if you don't come across looking good on TV, then you're not going to be that appealing to an audience and they'll they'll gravitate to the other person's argument. Oh, and you have to be sneaky about it. If they do look good and you want to circumvent them, we can get into that as far as the FBI and CIA are concerned as well. But let's pull this into today. Here's a funny thing about uh, the way things were used back then and at the present time. The FBI and CIA I were toys of the deep state for a long time. And there's no denying that in this book, your book, really, really gets into this. But back then, they were sneaky about it. They were quiet about it. Uh, there wasn't an internet where people could exchange ideas or experiences with these types of agencies. And it was uh, pretty easy to make people look silly or crazy for challenging them. Nowadays, nowadays, we have an administration, well, a couple of, and Obama's did this as well, but the Biden administration is basically blatant about doing this. They don't even care what people think of them because it seems like Biden, uh, Ray and the like pat themselves on the back for doing things like following people around, uh, or surveilling them just because they, uh, uh, they, uh, put MAGA on, on a bank transaction or something, or, or they, they wore a red hat or maybe, uh, uh, follow the Catholic mass. This is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And they don't even pretend to be forthcoming with Congress anymore. It's clumsy, but I don't even think they care about that either. No, no. They, they, and Ray, Ray shows that he has no um, concern about what others think. He's smug. He's glib. He, uh, he avoids answering questions. He acts all indignant uh, when, when he knows what the questions are going to be in advance. If you know what the hearing subject is, you're following the public criticism. You know what the lawmakers are saying about you and your agency. So you're going to be prepped for the questions, but then he hides behind, well, this is an ongoing investigation or this is classified. But when the senators aren't asking questions to elicit classified information, they're asking for general information and he won't tell them, you know, there's a problem and they're doing it on purpose. Like when, remember the famous Ted Cruz 
hearing with the with the number three in the FBI. She was head of the national security branch. So she had all the information to answer the questions and she could have done it in an unclassified way. He said to her specifically and repeatedly, did the FBI have any assets or agents that were involved in the planning or execution of criminal acts of violence at the U.S. Capitol on January 6th? Now, she could have said, well, we're the FBI. We don't engage in criminal acts of violence. And, you know, so the answer is no. She wouldn't even say no repeatedly. So what are we left to conclude? Well, we're left to conclude, hey, they knew what they were doing. They knew what the idea was, and they wanted to do it. They wanted to do it to make a certain faction of Americans look bad and crazy. And and to be to and to have everyone else look, this is back to what the cultural Marxism was doing to divide communities, to divide families, to divide friends all from one another. Think of the families whose lives have been destroyed because of non-crimes that were committed. You know, think of the purposely designed high drama SWAT raids of the homes of people who were only being charged with misdemeanors. We've never seen this in our history. But now we're seeing it with, with, with such alarming frequency, and there's no check and balance against it. We used to pride ourselves as a nation for not putting away political prisoners and not turning people into martyrs like the Russians or the Soviets, I should say, did with uh, Solzhenitsyn or, or Sakharov or the like. And that was what separated the two nations in a lot of ways. This t- Right now, we are not unlike the old Soviet Union where we have uh, an administration that's sitting there right now uh, making sure that making sure that opposition gets spied on and gets stepped on if you uh, if you question anything they do the the obama administration had the gall to use uh, to to wiretap the the front running candidate against uh, against against uh, president obama yeah and, and using and, the and they, using the fbi to do that and this is the perniciousness one of the many perniciousness aspects of global worldview, globalist worldview, is that they were working with foreign spy services to circumvent American law that did not allow the FBI to spy. So what they did was they asked the British and the Australians to do the spying for us against our own people and then report that back to the FBI as intelligence sharing, which is legal. So they're using foreign spy agencies to spy on us to get around federal laws. And they view it as a global fight against terrorism and extremism. But look at the extremism they're combating now. It's not the jihadists anymore. It's not real Russian agents who really are out there to manipulate and provoke and destroy. It's not until recently, it wasn't even Chinese Communist Party, which is now a new theme for for certain of the of our countries. Look at the same time now at what's been coming out of MI5 and MI6, which are the domestic and the foreign intelligence services in the United Kingdom. And then the same in Canada and Australia and elsewhere. They're all pushing this same radical DEI rainbow flag extremist ideology on everyone as official spy services. As far as Britain is concerned, you bring that up. We have, uh, I've read about several cases where police show up at your doorstep if you make a comment on the internet criticizing any of these uh, uh, alphabet types or DEI types. Yeah. Yeah. What is this? Is this a threat to the crown? Because the, the, the mandate of the British Secret Services is not to protect the British Constitution because they don't have one. It's to protect the crown. Well, Queen Elizabeth 
was not a rainbow flagger. King Charles, he goes along with all this stuff, but these are not threats to oh, the crown. Oh, oh, like oh, here, oh, they're oh, not oh, threats to the Constitution. I want to stop you there. I want to stop you there. King Charles, as Prince Charles, back in 1988, touted this New World Order idea. So they're protecting the New World Order. And maybe that's the current crown. Maybe Queen Elizabeth wasn't like that, but definitely old Chucky was there. Yeah. But even, even so, you think of the British mentality. We think of, oh, the Brits, they're just like us because they speak the same language and whatever. But they have a whole different constitutional rationale. They are to protect the crown. The king is ordained by God to be their commander-in-chief. Whether they believe in God anymore, that's a different story. He's defender of the faith of their church. So they have a church and state. But they were a global empire where the sun would never set on the British Empire. And the British Commonwealth includes you know canada australia new zealand lots of smaller countries around the world so they they do have a global worldview and a global ambition just in their anglosphere but that's not us that's not us and we're not globalists and we do believe in sovereignty and if, if memory serves we had a war with them about it so but but when you have globalists not just leading our country because there's only so much a leader can do if the bureaucracy is not with them. But if you have globalists now as running the bureaucracies themselves from the lowest level analyst to the highest level administrators and managers, then you have them viewing America in a very different way. It's not the American founding anymore. It's not American sovereignty anymore where there was never any question when we had a bipartisan consensus of all of this. It's something very different where we take our politics and we go to foreign countries to denounce our politicians at home. And it's it's as if it's a global cabal that is doing this with their spy services to oppose these agendas. And the biggest example you can think of, I can think of right at the moment is is the health agenda with the uh, with the with the COVID outbreak and how that was um, that was something where our intelligence services were used to censor us. Yet they could never find out if the virus really did originate in the Wuhan Institute of Virology run by the Chinese Communist Party. Uh, if it takes a bunch of uh, uh, crazy guys like me on the Internet to figure this one out, one would be pretty sure that the intelligence agencies already knew this in the beginning and wanted to suppress that information. I'm going to get in trouble for all this, aren't I? Oh, sure. So we did a timeline <laughs> for security policy. I, exactly. We did a real-time timeline on just what the Chinese Communist Party was saying and doing officially, and then what dissident Chinese bloggers and so forth were saying from Wuhan, we were tracking it, you know, almost real time, meaning a few days after the fact. And and uh, and we did it throughout the first half year of the outbreak of the pandemic. And it was the Chinese technicians themselves who were warning about this on their own social media, saying, hey, we've just had an outbreak here at the lab. Um this is a danger. What do we do? And the party was making these people disappear, making them destroy uh, all the forensic evidence, all the samples of the of the uh, of the bacteriological substances they were using, destroy it all, destroy the records of it. And then certain of the doctors disappeared and technicians simply they were never seen or heard from again. And they they allowed this to happen for over a month until Xi Jinping's crew decided what were they going to say or do about it. Everything had to deflect responsibility away from the Chinese Communist Party and Xi Jinping, who was consolidating control. So then that's when when Fauci and the others came in and were were not blaming China and were even pr praising China for 
cooperating with us so much and figuring out how to fight this virus and where it might have originated and buying into the false idea that it did not originate from a lab. And then you had the story a few months ago, you know, there was there was a whistleblower within the CIA who reported that the CIA leadership was bribing analysts with cash bonuses if they would not conclude that the virus originated in a Chinese Communist Party lab. And that's what happens here. You think about it, you expect all this to happen in in China with a Chinese Communist Party running things. Oh, Winnie the Pooh doesn't like uh, uh, any criticism or anything horrible reflecting on them. But the idea is they were the ones who helped the West initiate these lockdowns. They were the ones who helped the, who had the West help them possibly in return. But I know there's a, uh, uh, there is a, uh, well, more than a coincidence here that uh, kept them from, or kept their truth from coming out to the Western nations where we supposedly, or used to at one point have a, had a free press, uh, have a free press. There we go. Hairball. The, the idea is we didn't expect that here. We expected at, at least some semblance of investigation from our journalists. They were mouthing out uh, without, they were actually parroting without question press releases from the CDC, from Fauci, and of course from the Chinese Communist Party over this. Yeah. But this was a time when most of us thought, the average person thought, you could still trust the public health officials. Even if they were a little off or a little edgy or a little beltway-ish, you could, you could still pretty much trust them. And the people who said you couldn't really trust them, well, come on. Well, the people who said you couldn't trust them were right all along. Chris Cornetti here with me on Unleash the Political News Hour, J. Michael Waller. He was there. He was in intelligence, and he's the author of Big Intel, How the CIA and FBI Went from Cold War Heroes to Deep State Villains. We're going to talk about Operation Mockingbird, the language manipulation, and what they're doing today straight ahead on Unleashed the Political News Hour. Get all the articles, podcasts, and pertinent news, always the uncensored truth, from a team of truth seekers who always put God and country first. AmericaOutloud.news. Expert opinions, honest debate, and in-depth investigations are what you've come to expect from AmericaOutloud.news. We don't shy away from speaking the truth boldly and plainly. All that's missing is the propaganda that has infected legacy and social media. Get the best of down and dirty, wholesome American speak. Now is our time, my fellow Americans. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Liberty and justice for all. ASEA believes that inside each of us is the potential to feel our very best. Our Redox-based products tap into reserves within you to power your personal well-being. Make our breakthrough products an essential step in fulfilling your greatest potential. ASEA, we power potential. For exclusive savings, Use code OUTLOUD to save 15% off your first order today. I'm so confused. I don't know what to do. I'm afraid of going to the hospital. My doctor tells me nutrition doesn't work. Trust is earned. We are the Energetic Health Institute, and we want to earn your trust. Natural medicine, holistic nutrition, detoxification, fasting, cellular healing, and so much more. 
Remember, the best way to be free is to be healthy. So stop being a patient and start being a student at energetichealthinstitute.org. Millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of the toxic spike protein. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company designed their spike support formula to counteract harmful spike protein from COVID-19 and vaccines so you can feel your best. Go to OutloudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. You're listening to Unleash the Political News Hour. I'm Chris Gordani, your host. With me is J. Michael Waller, author of Big Intel, How the CIA and FBI Went from Cold War Heroes to Deep State Villains. Mike, these cultural Marxists run intelligence and much of America's institutions today. It's like an infestation of roaches, if you will, that have entrenched themselves in every aspect of our nation's existence. And they started a long, long time ago, as we discussed. Now they're throughout academia, to culture, to information gatekeeping with the intelligence communities, making sure nobody steps out of line. They're still watching us in coordination with the political class's manipulation of the American lexicon. So let's go with that. Feds now are asking banks where they have been, I should say, asking banks to search private transactions and, and delve into people who write the name, write terms like MAGA or Trump on on or anything else like that or wear red hats and or maybe using political speeches to demonize those terms at this point we'll never know until years from now if we ever know but if you you know it's easy enough to decipher what's happening now if you just look at what's known and what's been exposed from history think of operation mockingbird which began as a well-intended operation this is where good intentions get us messed up as a well-intended operation in the early years of the Cold War to use American journalists to wage the Cold War against our Soviet and communist enemies. So from that standpoint, it seems like it was a pretty good operation. But then it became, as any, you know, any government program really just grows and grows and grows and becomes full of abuse. But they they became so pervasive it wasn't simply to aim at the soviet enemy it was aiming at changing the perceptions and the beliefs of the american public which is unconstitutional it, and it's illegal for the cia to do that it's against the cia's legal charter to target the american public well i COVID. guess it doesn't matter now if uh, the boss says you can well it doesn't matter if no one's ever prosecuted for it because if you think they're flagrantly violating federal law by doing this. This was what resulted in the, the church committee hearings in the 1970s, which ended up ripping apart the intelligence community, important, including important parts that were vital to fighting the Soviet Union and Soviet-backed terrorist groups and, and all these other things that were, were and remained important. It did terrible damage to the intelligence community. But this is where the New York Times and others were acting as mouthpieces for the CIA and never informing the readers of such. So you have this merger of sorts between big media and the CIA going on for decades. If you look today, you can still see it happening, although I don't know if it's if it's actually mock, Operation Mockingbird or it has just become such standard operating procedure that it's, you know, it's, it's just like getting up in the morning. But if you look at the reporters 
and the and the news outlets and they say intelligence sources say and there's some exclusive story yeah. well this yeah. means the reporter is being fed by someone in the intelligence community and it's probably classified information that's illegal to pass on but they're doing it to these journalists now think of it from the eyes of a journalist you want to get good stories you want to have your own exclusive sources you want to please your exclusive sources to continue to get good stories to make a name for yourself and to become prominent in your profession and so forth. So this then becomes a symbiosis between the intelligence community and the journalists. And now the with the way the business model of journalism has gone through, you know, to online and clicks and all these other things, the more sensational you become, you know, then the more the more revenue you're going to bring in. Well, now, so you've got a breakdown in legal discipline of the intelligence community, a breakdown in ethical discipline of the journalists. Combine that with the wokeism that we've seen coming up in the past, you know, generation. Combining all of that, and you have what? You have now a fully ideological media machine in tandem with the intelligence communities to do what? As the Twitter documents proved, to censor people like you and me, to prevent us from being heard, to prevent us from questioning, even when we know the answers to the facts, or even when we can sense the answers to prevent us from being heard at all. Let's put it on the table here. They made it okay. The deep state now has made all of this okay. They made it They made it so American people, or at least a good number of American people, aren't questioning that the FBI and CIA are going, off, are going after certain people. Because, well, you're not allowed wrong think anymore. If you disagree with the message or the narrative these days, it is now okay. And this started... A, I, I'll let's take the most recent, uh, some of the most recent, uh, uh, machinations in the works when the January 6th protest happened, it was, that's a true, mostly peaceful protest, not the fake, mostly people protests where people think that burning down, uh, uh, neighborhoods and, and people's businesses are, are mostly peaceful, but this is a bunch of grandmas and grandpas who are out there. Yes, there were rowdies people. Some things should not have happened. However, it was very very quickly, both the uh, the incoming government and the news media made sure that the term insurrection was used over and over and over again. Not protest, because that would be in context with people disagreeing with the government. This is an insurrection. It's a rebellion, according to these people. You keep repeating that, or they keep repeating it over and over again. Then the new people in power can use that and say, we have to stop insurrectionists. So we're going to be using the FBI. We're going to be using the CIA to come down on these people. What? Mega hat wearers? They've got to go. People who support Trump, we got to watch their rallies. And by the way, you better not be practicing the Latin mass or else we're coming after you. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then you have the, in the bureaucracy, you do what the boss says. You do what the boss's boss says. You have a, there's a metric within the bureaucracy where you, if you will not be promoted, meaning you will not have a future if you do not go ahead. So then you have people who are just doing their duty, doing their duty. Now they're just following orders. And we've heard this before and the horrible extremes this can logically extend to. And the term insurrection itself began with the Capitol Police, with Yogananda Pittman, who was the director of intelligence for the Capitol Police. She was the Capitol Police's prime liaison with the FBI, with the Secret Service, with the Department of Homeland Security, and with the other agencies that do have domestic intelligence capabilities, because the Capitol Police does not. She never informed her chief, Steve Sund, 
of the knowledge that she had that there was going to be violence on January 6th. So he didn't prepare his forces to deal with it at the time. She knew in advance, and she's the one who coined the term insurrection. After this, she gets named managing police chief, and then she gets a cushy job as chief of police, hundreds of thousands of dollars a year job as chief of police at the University of California, Berkeley. There you go. Nancy Pelosi left that job for her. Yeah, there you go. Uh, the funny thing was, because the term insurrection we used, was used instead of protest, public opinion was swayed to the idea, well, let's see, there are a couple of uh, old ladies who were, who were outside near the Capitol building that day. It's okay for the FBI and CIA or, or the government to, to follow them around, to break into their homes or, or take, uh, take people out with handcuffs. It was okay for the guy that did, uh, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the program Bob's Burgers. They, uh, it's an animated show on Fox News or Fox, not Fox, Tele, uh, Fox Network. I'm not saying Fox News. Uh, Fox I'm a South Network. Park guy. Okay, I, I like South Park. But the guy who played, the guy who did the voice for Jimmy Pesto was present at January 6th and he lost his job for a while because he was there. But it was an insurrection, so that's okay. If it was a protest, people would be clamoring, saying, why is the government picking on people who are protesting? But no. People are picking on, people are investigating an insurrection. So that's so much better. Yeah. That's what they're saying. And this was a term that was never used before, by, by, especially by the liberal left, because their insurrections are okay. So when in, in the summer of 2020, you have the BLM riots at the White House, where they actually had scaling ladders to climb through the over the White House fence and to storm the White House while they were burning the church right across the square from the White House. They had to send the President of the United States down into a, a nuclear bunker in case the White House was overrun. That's not an insurrection. Yeah, but it, technically, we could call that an insurrection. It qualifies more than the January 6th protests. Yeah. No, I was saying it ironically. No, I know, I know. That's what I'm saying. You're being ironic. I'm just, I'm adding to that and saying, hey, you're 100% right here. This yeah. is this was more of an insurrection than the January 6th protest, but the idea is if it's repeated over and over again by the media and by the government, hey, it's 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 not such a bad thing. That's why yeah. that's why media members were so intent on no matter if they were standing in front of fires or not calling these riots mostly peaceful protests from the BLM crowd. Yeah. Yeah. What's, well, what's it was plain to anyone who knew what an insurrection was. I was there at the time on January 6th, and I wrote a piece that night about what I saw, and it was a pre-organized, highly disciplined, small group of cadres that knew what they were doing, and they were pre-positioned to cause those acts of violence and then to bring in people just to, to be stupid, uh, like like you would do at a, at a really cool concert or something, and you're going to do something dumb with a mob mentality because it's it's cool and it's fun and it's edgy and and you get that mob mentality and and so so but at the time it was being it was being portrayed as a spontaneous insurrection that Trump personally incited. So you had all these different illogical things that don't match, but it was not an insurrection. You could have you could have taken both houses of Congress with two small squads of armed men. The next question is how in the heck did the current administration with the help of the FBI and CIA, turn following a, a dissident or, or a, a, a political opponent, uh, uh, namely Donald Trump, of course, or or following the Latin mass into extremist views. Well, the idea was you had the president talking about, well, the most, uh, I mean, as best he could, well, the most, uh, the biggest danger to America, white supremacy and 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 extremism. 
you never really define extremism. So, but, no. but that gets people up in arms. When you hear the word extremist, you think of the first, first person a lot of people think of is Timothy McVeigh, because that's the guy that, that's the big one. Uh, yeah. And then you hear extremists, then, then there's the terrorist groups in the, in the Middle East. You, they're, they're extremists. So we have extremists here. They have to go. So it's okay for the FBI to spy on people who are, uh, let's just say, a little to the right of Stalin, if you will, or of, or of Biden, if you will. And, yeah. and that, but that's okay. It's for the good of the country. And that's, and, and that, and people are of the mentality that the CIA and FBI stepping on these people is actually beneficial. How do we get there? Well, you get there again with, with good intentions, right? So the real, the real change came right after 9-11. So in 2001, when, when, when Robert Mueller is on the job as FBI director for only a week and then 9-11 hits, President Bush says to him, you will make sure the FBI never permits another act of terrorism to take place in America ever again. Well, what does that mean? You need an all-seeing centralized intelligence service domestically to be policing that kind of thing while they create this giant Department of Homeland Security. First, they super-centralize the FBI in a way that not even J. Edgar Hoover did. They create this giant domestic Department of Homeland Security, staffing it up quickly. They're not looking for quality people. They're looking for quantity people. And who are they getting? A lot of liberal do-gooders, and, and what they call then politically correct people to do this in a politically correct fashion. But there was this frenzy to do something to defend our country against terrorism. Then you centralize the 17 agency intelligence community now under a single head, the director of national intelligence. And then you arm it with USA Patriot Act and all these other laws to centralize domestic intelligence power the way we've never ever imagined it as being before and in fact the patriot act was viewed so dangerous by both president bush and by congress that it was designed to expire automatically after a few years so we could go back to the way things used to be but instead congress has just renewed it time after time after time after time and we still have it and each president has it and the fbi is always coming out with new excuses about why they need it and without any amendments to it and so so it, it became then a centralized system that we never had, unitary, more unitary than we ever had, meaning run by fewer people with fewer checks and balances. So by the time Obama comes in as president, he, he has just inherited a central apparatus that he can now inject his view of critical theory and really cultural Marxism from the top down, and he puts in radicals to run these agencies, people who believe in this kind of thing, to run them and to oppose these, uh, impose these ideologies. And if you're sitting there as a professional FBI or intelligence officer, you're thinking, well, whatever, I think this is stupid, but I've got to keep my head down and just keep going along. And then they, in doing their duties, then they become part of the problem. And that's really how it happened to us. J. Michael Waller is with me. He is the author of Big Intel, how the CIA and FBI went from Cold War heroes to deep state villains. Former president and current candidate Donald Trump still makes Drain the Swamp his campaign's strong point. On the softer spoken side, so is Robert F. Kennedy Jr. He's doing the same thing. You, sir, were on the inside. I imagine there are lots of moles within both agencies that will do what they can to keep this current status quo going. You saw what was happening. You probably have a very good view of what's going on now. What would these two be up against if they really were 
were able to, or at least if they were in a, if they won the election, were in a somewhat strong enough position to actually delve into these agencies and maybe I wouldn't say gut them, but kind of um, repair what's going on, if you will. Sure. Well, first of all, every citizen, every single voter has a role to play because the real power can rest with the sheriffs. We don't think of sheriffs very often, and most people don't even understand what a sheriff does. But that's the chief elected law enforcement officer at the local level, usually the county level. The sheriffs are the eyes and ears for the FBI and the other federal agencies, and they provide the staffing and even the deputization authority for the federal agents to come in and enforce state laws, which the federal agents cannot do it unless they're deputized. The sheriffs deputize them to do it. But if the sheriffs come back and say, no, these guys in the center of government are abusing their power, I'm not going to have them do it in my area. They're not legally bound to facilitate this, especially if they think that it's wrong. And they certainly do not have to deputize federal agents to operate at the county and state levels. So this is where we all have to be asking our current incumbent sheriffs, what are you doing to make sure that this abuse is not taking place under your authority? And second, if you're doing it, what kind of help do you need from us? So every incumbent sheriff and every candidate has to be asked that question. First of all, that's at the local levels. At the national level, the new president needs to come in with a coherent team, which Trump didn't have before, with a coherent plan, concrete plan, which he didn't have before, meaning all the executive orders of the president pre-written, all the laws to submit to hopefully a friendly Congress pre-written. So you just, you, you can repeal laws, you can amend laws right away through a friendly Congress, but you can, you can repeal the executive orders that every president has, is able to do, meaning they're presidential orders for the, the way the government is supposed to implement policy. We call it the Biden strategy. Biden did it. Obama did it. Great jobs. Clinton did it. And Reagan did it. But Trump didn't do it. But he's learned his lesson this time. So that's fine. So he's going to come in and do it. And I bet an RFK Jr. would do it also to to do this. So there is hope for us, but it's going to take it's going to take. um, And I know these teams are already in place to be drawing up this kind of stuff right now and assembling the proper people together. So there's something coherent this time around. But this is where every person matters to vote, not just for president, but for sheriff. This is also why I like guys like uh, Jim Jordan and and Matt Gates in Congress, because they they are they're less tied into this deep state than, uh, let's just say, the deep state wants. They'll they'll use the deep state's tactics against them. I love the idea that they're using they're making up terms like weaponization of government and uh, and and exposing how the other side or the, the deep state is using language and using the agencies to step down on the American people. There are not, and, and again, this is both sides, Democrats and Republicans, even if they come in to office with an altruistic attitude, you don't hear a lot from them, but there are maybe eight to 12 members of the house that are actually speaking up a little more. And as you know, the deep state's fighting back, calling them extremists, calling them uh, uh, all sorts of whatever name under the book, Fact is, though, that means they're doing something right. They're absolutely doing something right. And, for, and yeah, you have this handful of good people. They, a lot of them are really good uh, members of Congress, but they're overwhelmed. And they have young staff and inexperienced staff who didn't know what they were doing or getting into. Um, there's no excuse for that, for not, for not having the right people in there. But on the other hand, they've learned a lot in the past few years. 
and they are, they have become experts and they increasingly know what to do. And they have now whistleblowers, a few of them who are helping them as Sherpas to, to find their way through the system. So things are really coming together, but you've needed a lot of courage from people like Jim Jordan and Matt Gates and others to, to do what's right. And even on the, on the other side, to look at people like, not that I have anything ever kind to say about him, but Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer. So it's not, <laughs> if people say, there's a, this is all just a right-wing conspiracy theory, then why did Chuck Schumer say when Trump was coming in and Trump was saying he's going to take all this on? And, and Schumer said that famous statement, if you go after the intelligence community, they'll have six ways from Sunday to get you. And I think that's what a lot of people may have learned, even if they had the best of intentions coming in. J. Michael Waller, I want to thank you for being here with me on Unleash the Political News Hour here on the America Out Loud Talk Radio Network. The book, again, Big Intel, how the CIA and FBI went from Cold War heroes to deep state villains. Get that wherever you get your books whether it be hard copy, which I like to have, or you do the Kindle and uh, or, or, or Nook thing, if you will. It's America Out Loud, and don't forget to visit the America Out Loud shop. That's americaoutloud.shop for the latest health resources and product innovations that may well enhance your life. Use the code OUTLOUD to get special discounts. Once again, I'm Chris Cordani. Thank you for joining us for Unleashed, the political news hour. This is Chris Cordani. Let's unleash the truth.